0: Welcome to the Enterprise Mobility Roundup podcast, brought to you by Blue Fletch. We discuss technology topics related to Android and workforce devices and how they intersect with business and mobility.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Blue Fletch Enterprise Mobility Roundup podcast. I'm Brett Cooper. Today, I'm joined by Patrick McGlynn. We'll be talking about device loss in the enterprise and how to reduce it. So, Patrick, maybe to get us started, can you talk a little bit about um, why... Yeah. You know, what is device loss, and where does it come from? And then, you know, why do you actually want to reduce it?
0: Sure. Yeah. So we deal with many retailers who have thousands of deployed devices, and these devices are not only critical for business operations, but they're also very expensive. Uh, so device companies want to keep those devices up and running, keep them where they're supposed to be, and keep them available for employees. So um, you know that goes into reducing. How many devices get lost each quarter, each month, each year, um, and also making sure that they are readily available for employees to use during the day.
1: So it says that the cost of the device, which is could be thousand to two thousand bucks, then there's also the availability. When you think about availability, what is what is the actual cost of that, or what is that? What's the impact of that on the business?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, if there is not you know devices available for users for employees to do their inventory counts for their online picking orders. Um, That is a huge huge cost of just that downtime that tasks cannot be completed, um, money cannot be transacted with customers, orders cannot be fulfilled, uh, customers might not be happy if their order's not ready when you get there. So um, it's, it's not necessarily just about that device cost, as you mentioned, it's also about making sure employees have the tools they need to complete their tasks and, and you know keep that business up and running and operational Got and
1: are there security risks from devices getting lost
0: there can be you know if depending on how data is stored on devices depending on how easily it is to access and connect to devices and pull data down there can definitely be security risk if those devices are being used by bad actors um, you know someone off-site that's looking to steal data looking to copy network configurations or, you know, take APKs, applications off of devices and see how they're architected and security keys that might belong in there. So that's definitely another element of reducing device loss is the security concept of making sure that those uh, devices stay inside the four walls, ideally, and stay where they're supposed to be.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And then where do devices actually go when they get lost? Like what's the, you know, you talk, we talk about device loss, are they... Is somebody selling those or what's actually happening to them?
0: Yeah. So I think when I first started learning about this, this problem, uh, I jumped to the assumption that most people were actually stealing these devices, uh, because they can be worth, you know, a thousand, $2,000. Um, as I've talked with more and more, you know, organizations and retailers over the years, they believe that's not actually a theft issue. It's more of just a misplacement issue. Uh, you know devices accidentally being left in someone 's locker stashed in a desk drawer, um, left on top of uh, a high shelf when someone 's doing their picking task, so you know devices definitely go missing, but it 's not all, not always for the nefarious reasons that you might assume of, of people stealing devices to resell on eBay if you will. What's the one we seen that people putting devices that do buy online picking and then freeing and
1: putting a device into a bag or box. Oh we yeah. We've definitely know.
0: seen retailers ship, accidentally ship devices to, to customers. <laughs> um, and, you know, people, people tend to find a device that they like that works well for them and they might intentionally stash that device for their use the next day or the next shift. Um, so it, it's multifaceted. It could be, you know, accidental uh, it could be that a device might not be performing well. So someone rips out the battery and then we don't hear from it for days or weeks. Or it could be for, you know, intentional purposes that are not desired by the business. So, if, yeah. And for devices that are stolen, where do those normally go? Um, yeah, secondary markets. Um, if someone's able to wipe them, they'll probably will try to put them on eBay. Somehow I get emails from these people looking to sell use, you know, Zebra, Honeywell devices. Uh, not sure how I got onto that mailer, uh, but definitely, you know, there's there's some secondary market for these devices since since they are such high cost devices. Uh, you can definitely recover some of that if you were to try to sell them. But you know, a lot of tools available to help prevent that, which we'll get into here in just a little bit. Got it.
1: And then. For, I guess, in generalization, like what percentage of devices get lost for companies? Do you, do you have any metrics around that? I know I, I've heard some numbers, but do you have any like, thoughts around what is the actual range for most companies?
0: Yeah, I, it, it definitely differs. Um, I think on average, we hear somewhere around the 10 to 15% range uh, year over year of device loss, and, uh, which translates to how many devices they look to replace each year. Uh, So that is a big number at scale for sure. Um, I think the math, Brett, that you've done for that is if you take 10% of the cost of a single device um, and extrapolate that over the number of devices in your fleet, that can give you a rough idea of really how much it's costing you to replace devices each year. Um, And we work with some very large customers, very large retailers, and that number is pretty astronomical, honestly. Yeah, so if you have $1,000 devices and
1: 100 of them and you lose 15%, you're going to uh, lose, let me do some quick math here, be a uh, uh, 150000 that No, that's wrong, 15000 15, Yeah, 000. so really it's, it's 15% of whatever you spent on your total top-line device costs. If you spent $10 million on your fleet, you're losing $1.5 a year. Yep. So that's a definitely a, a big expense uh, if you do have a lot of devices out there in the field. So um, I guess just to get us into the approaches, like the, the – various areas of approaches, like what's the, the first area you think about when you think about reducing device loss?
0: Yeah, so this is, there's definitely a lot of different things we're going to discuss here, and I'd recommend it's really a multifaceted approach to reducing device loss. Um, we'll talk about some software and some hardware um, methods to do that, but um, really, you know, the, the first one for us is just building some accountability around uh, device usage. So think of it like a library. When you go to a library and check out a book, you write your name down in a card and you check that out for the day. Um, if you know a book goes missing, you can reference that card to see who the last person that might have had it was. We bring a similar concept to um, our enterprise launcher and require a user to actually check into the device, um, or sorry, sign into the device to check it out Uh, and to create that accountability and that, um, you know, chain of custody. So we understand who had the device last, uh, and if that device doesn't show up, you can start working your way up the ladder and seeing, you know, asking, you know, John, you had the device last. Do you remember where you put it? Um, and not necessarily to get people in trouble, but it's just really the best way to, to track and see where devices might be. Um, so that's where we, we start, um, with that check-in, check-out process. I've seen a lot of companies do that with a variety of different methods over the years, um, really starting with just paper-based processes, having a manager in a, a cage that hands out devices and requires someone to write their name down as they check it out. Um, that's kind of the, the basics of where companies start. Um, you know, we see people using credentials, their, their single sign-on credentials to, to check devices out. And that's the approach that we've sort of adopted here at Blue Fletch with our enterprise launcher is that if you check a device out, you might as well use that as your entry point to single sign on with your secure credentials, um, authenticate against the identity provider, make sure you have access to even use the device. And then, you know, you can properly check that device out for building that that accountability chain for
1: For check-in, check-out, what do EMMs offer, like the and AirWatches and Tunes? What do they have for
0: capability-wise around check-in, check-out? Yeah, so they do have um, check-in, check-out systems um, through their own launchers. It's a bit of a different approach. Uh, Some MDMs require you to actually have a separate user database where users have their ID and password stored that might differ from your Okta or Azure Active Directory tools. Um, some can build in those integrations for you. Um, so there, there's definitely different methods. Some of the OEMs even have their own check-in, check-out solutions. But again, you can end up with some fragmented user management with those different tools. So um, trying to keep that all unified as best as possible is, is the approach I would recommend. And hence why we, you know, can, we we push that single sign-on as your check-in, check-out process as well. Um, you might as well unify those two experiences. What's your experience around locking cradles or locking cabinets or
1: even the cabinets being open and closed? Like what do you see
0: around that? So yeah, I, I definitely see those uh, in different facilities and I think to varying levels of success around that. Um, the locking, so there, you have the locking uh, cabinets which each Device might be hidden behind a little mini door. You scan your badge, enter a pin, and that door will pop open for the device. Uh, those seem to work pretty well because uh, you know you can have your charging cradle built into there. Uh, and devices can't just be picked up off the cradle. However, I, I've definitely heard that sometimes the solution can be more expensive than the problem, um, and you know those locking cabinets are expensive. Um, We've seen locking cradles, um, as well, start to to be promoted um, in the marketplace. So that same concept, but um, just really isolated into just a single cradle versus a, a full cabinet. Um, again, a lot of feedback I've heard around that is, you know, that might be too expensive, too heavy-handed of a solution for the actual problem. Uh, so, you know, that. Those are some of the the more hardware-based approaches to device accountability and and check-in, check-out processes. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with those those tools. Um, If you've got the budget for them and you really are concerned about those pieces of hardware, they're great tools for that. And we see those in other industries as well. Um, I think law enforcement uses them for even you know some of their equipment as well that's much more sensitive or needs to be uh, access controlled um, very diligently. So applying those same concepts is you know it works in this case, but again pretty high cost. So we usually start with the software approaches that we mentioned earlier with your check-in check-out processes on the device as um, sort of the, the the first step to to improving your. Um, or and reducing your device loss for that.
1: And for accountability, like how much, you know, if you've been to swag, like what is, what is the amount of reduced loss you're going to get from having a good check-in,
0: check-out or visibility into what's going on there? So I think we've, in our studies, seen, you know, we've reduced those, those loss percentages by about 50%, I think, in the first year of introducing just the, the software-based check-in, check-out tools. Um, it's definitely a problem that probably will never get to zero. Um, there's always going to be accidents or mistakes where devices go missing. Um, but you know, being able just to make one small change with software and you know, cut your costs in half is uh, a pretty significant first step. Um, so, yeah, we, I think we, with one case study we saw, we went from about 15% to 7% in the first year. And um continuously driving that number down as processes get more mature uh, and people understand, you know, the importance of, of this process. Can you talk about what are the, the are there any keys around that accountability process? Is it is it
1: you know putting a dashboard up to say who has what device checked out? Is it having like reports go to your manager and so people don't turn things in? Are there certain things that work better than others from an accountability standpoint?
0: Yeah, I, I think definitely empowering the managers is is the first thing to make someone you know, be your your champion in your chair at each local site to make sure those devices are wrangled um, and brought back in. So that's notifications if a device is removed improperly, um, providing, uh, you know, tools for the manager to see where all his or her devices are, um, see when devices stop reporting, um, and trying to, you know, almost like the first 48, the sooner you you figure out that a device might be missing, the quicker it is, the easier it is to actually find and locate that device. Um, So, you know, getting that data uh, in a timely manner, via notifications, via emails, or some of the methods we do to uh, try to make sure that those devices quickly get back into the the available uh, pool for users. Yeah, I think one of the other things too we've heard too.
1: Uh, you mentioned this earlier, but about around availability, devices mm-hmm. that don't get put back on a cradle don't get charged, yeah. and the next shift that comes in tries to pick it up. It's got, you know, ten percent left on its
0: battery. It's it's useless to that that shift. So I think that's another point. Just value wise. Absolutely, I think that's almost as important as the device loss problem itself. If even if you have devices available, but there's no batteries or um, you know. Another user is logged in, and you can't, for some reason, break out of that user. That device is just as good as missing. So, um, devices being back where they're supposed to be, ready for the next user, and fully charged is is really kind of the core problem that might even supersede the actual uh, device loss problem. So, yeah. Yeah. one quick segue out on that. the We've seen this some places where people will pull batteries out
1: and put devices into like a safe or a locking cabinet. What's the what's the downside of doing that?
0: So, well, I think the the reason people do that in the first place is those cradles, as we mentioned, can start to get expensive. And so um, people might just opt for just the battery bay. It's a little bit cheaper. So, yeah, as you mentioned, rip the battery out, put them in the bay or buy a bunch of, you know, USB-C chargers from Amazon instead of cradles and just kind of stick devices somewhere in a cabinet and I think we saw one retailer that was using uh, basically a, a safe um, to store their devices in at night. And the, the big downside there is just connectivity. So if a device is powered off, first you're not going to know that you know it's reporting. Second, it's not going to receive its nightly updates that you have, its security patches, its app updates, um, and it's going to it's just going to break your reporting. So it's going to look like all of a sudden your devices are, are offline because they are. And of course, a power down offline device is much more difficult to locate than one that's up and available. So uh, we always recommend those traditional cradles where users can quickly just dock their device. They don't have to worry about plugging things in. There's nothing really to break. Um, and you know your, your EMM, MDM admins are going to love you for that because they can do their nightly updates, um, have much higher success rates around that and not have to worry about Trying to you know time it uh, perfectly di- during the middle of the workday, so um, just all in all, a much better practice to use traditional cradles for that. Yeah, and I, I think
1: we had one one customer I remember that was doing that where they were taking devices, yeah, you know, putting batteries out and taking devices out and putting them in a the closet. And I think their EMM install rate was less, you know, sub ten percent of their nightly installs when they're pushing updates. So I think it's it's definitely important from an operational standpoint to. Mm-hmm you know, make sure you have devices in a cradle that are, that are powered on and available to your MDMs. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I guess, or a we'll little segue into visibility, like, you know, what devices are out there, who has it? Um, can you talk about some of the tools you see around device visibility or what, what we've done with, with companies?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, if you're using the Blue Fletch tool set, we include our device finder tool. Um, that's going to be able to report the last known user uh, really, all the 80, 100 plus data points we get from devices and from uh, usage of those devices um, can be summarized and put into a device finding tool um, for you to play notification sounds, to view on a map where a device might be um, or last last seen. Um, so that's that's extremely helpful um, with you know Wi-Fi 6 and some of the latest advancements in RTT and Android 9, we've seen about one meter accuracy of device locations. So um, of course, sometimes it can be finding like, like finding a needle in a haystack. But if you have, you know, within a one meter area to look for that haystack becomes pretty small. Um, so that's with Blue Fletch other tools out there. Um, I think a lot of the OEMs have their own device finding tools. I know one in particular, Uses a Geiger counter style, which, um, if you're familiar with metal detectors, that beep, 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 as you get closer, um, hotter, colder kind of concept, um, and they can leverage similar technologies there for beaconing, uh, for map views. Um, trying to find that location is, is definitely important. Uh, not having GPS is not the end of the world with the advancements in Wi Fi and with. Uh, battery beacons and some of the smart batteries that, again, Honeywells and Zebras now are rolling out that even if the device is powered down and the battery is you know, almost drained, it'll turn into just a beacon that consumes minimal power and can at least broadcast that, hey, I'm alive, I'm alive, uh, and allow someone to go try and locate that device. Um, so those are the, the device finding tools that I've seen uh, from the OEM and from Blue Fletch side. The EMMs also will usually have some type of map view overlay um, that you can access and try to see where last known location is uh, for a device. So um, yeah, location is probably the biggest and most important thing that we can try to accomplish and and understand, you know, that breadcrumb of where a device went and where it might be. Yeah, I guess one of the notes on that, I know the way
1: we approach it is actually having an on-device tool. So if you're a supervisor or manager mm-hmm. in the warehouse, you could see who has what device and where it is. I think the one drawback with EMMs is you don't necessarily want to give your 2,000 managers access to your know, SOTI or AirWatch instance, yeah. uh, but it's definitely, you know, if, if your help desk has access, people can call and, and look it up that way. Um, can you also talk about, I guess, with the um, you know, finding devices to go offline, and we talked about ZTE, like zero touch oh. enrollment. Mm-hmm. Um, how does
0: that help with the stolen devices? Right, so zero-touch enrollment is something introduced by Google to um, facilitate an easier um, staging and enrollment process to your EMM and MDM. However, one of the kind of side benefits um, is really around security. So with zero-touch enrollment, you actually associate your device with your EMM in a portal managed by Google. Um, once that's done, it's basically a forever bond that can't be broken. So even if a device gets stolen and someone decides to take it home and sideload a full reset package, next time they wake up the device, it's gonna do its checks with Google to pull down any updates, but hey, it's also gonna see that I belong to this EMM and I'm gonna kick off registration. So um, that's a, basically an infinite loop that no one's gonna be able to break out of uh, if they steal a device. So Again, we we talked about a multifaceted approach to reducing this. This is a really great tool um, that I don't think enough companies have yet adopted uh, for really just ease of staging and rolling out of devices, but also uh, the big benefit of the security and making devices that get stolen almost worthless uh, to, to anyone that's looking to do anything other than their intended purpose.
1: Uh, on that, the note of recoverability, like what are the other approaches for if a device leaves the facility or goes to a client, like or goes to a customer, like what? How do you? What have you seen around
0: recovering those lost devices? Yeah, so um, we've built a luggage tag, we call it. So if a device leaves a geofence or a Wi-Fi network, um, basically lock the device down in a full kiosk that. Provides return information almost like your your bag tag if it were to be lost. Here's a phone number to call. Here's an address. Um, you know, if a device accidentally got delivered to a customer, they might not have any in, intention of keeping that device or using it. So, give someone a way to actually take action and return a, a potential device. Um, we did t- we talked zero touch enrollment um, persistence, which is kind of a technical topic we can touch on but if a device were to be reset uh, it can leverage its persistent storage to actually automatically install software such as a tracking tool to you know broadcast that hey i'm back online uh, and here i am this is my location so um, a couple different tools there Um, we've also built what we call a time bomb i think was how we how we labeled it but uh, if a device goes off of a Wi-Fi network for a certain amount of time or again leaves an improved area, just basically turn in, turn itself and reset itself to wipe any data uh, off of that device that potentially could be stolen or, or taken off. So businesses might care more about you know the what's on a device versus the actual device themselves, and that's where we built that tool to just go ahead and wipe itself. Uh, prevent anyone from you know monkeying around in the the file system to try to pull anything down. So um, yeah, I think those are the big ones that I can think of for recoverability. What about um, what about just labeling devices or etching devices?
1: I've seen some some companies actually etch like company info to the back and or have like the the metal labels that are fixed to it. Is, is how successful is that? Would you say from a recoverability standpoint?
0: Yeah, I, I haven't really seen that be extremely successful. I mean, I think that. That helps with organization and understanding where your devices you know, should be. Um, for example, numbering devices, you can associate a, a number on a device to a number on a cradle. Then just quickly looking at that you know, stack of cradles, you can see what devices might be missing. So that definitely helps with sort of the, the day-to-day management and keeping your, your workspace tidy. Um, I don't know, I haven't really seen too many successful scenarios of etching or, you know, putting phone numbers on and devices being returned uh, back to a store based on that. But uh, again, you know, there's, there's a lot of different scenarios where devices could get lost or missing. So really as many steps as you can take um, to make it easy for devices to get back where they're supposed to be is, is probably worth the, worth the experiment. Right. Patrick, some other question I had for you.
1: Have you seen anybody be successful at having, uh, I call them like LP stickers or tags, like the ones that are on clothing, where mm-hmm. if you walk off the store, it beeps. Have you seen that where actually uh, people use that and been successful with them with mobile devices?
0: Yeah. Those loss protection tags. No, not really. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't even know if that would work if it was embedded under a battery. Um, but as we, we talked about earlier, it's not always a, uh, an issue of shoplifting, um, like, you know, stealing clothes uh, out of a store, oftentimes these devices go missing for, you know, really innocent reasons, someone accidentally misplaced it, or if they are going to take it, it might have, you know, gone with them out the back door to their car in their backpack. So, um, you know, I I don't think we've really seen a, a big issue of customers coming into a store finding a device, grabbing it and saying, oh, this looks fun and walking out with it. So uh, I don't know if you've seen anything different. In the, I have not. Yeah. I was mean, just like,
1: this looks fun. Is yeah. Yeah, I, I, there, yeah. There's some teenager out there. It's definitely that way, though. It's, it's happened. Um, all right. So, so in closing, just to summarize, losing devices is expensive. I think we talked, you yeah. know, 10 to 15% is what we see is probably the norm for people that haven't gone through and built out a, a strategy for reducing device loss. And then I think to Patrick's comment having a... a depth strategy, so the, um, you know, accountability so sort of check in, check out, whether it's through your MDM, whether it's through a tool like Blue or even a paper-based process. Um, Visibility is the ability to see who has what device, track devices that are somewhere in the store or a warehouse, depending on your business, and then the recoverability, so things like luggage tag mode, you know, tags in the back of the device uh, using uh, Google ZTE, so those are kind of the the key ways from a, a process standpoint. Um, anything else to add to that from a, a device loss and device recoverability standpoint?
0: I think we covered most of the topics. Just wanted to say that you know this is not a unique problem um, to enterprises, to large retailers with you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of devices deployed. When you have so many remote endpoints, you're bound to lose some here and there. So definitely reach out if you have any issues with this or if it's becoming a, a significant problem in your organization. Uh, we'd be happy to talk you through what we talked about today and go ahead and even, you know, do some proof of concepts around some of the technologies as well. So always happy to help.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you everybody for joining us today for another episode of the Blue Fledged Enterprise Mobility Roundup podcast. And if you do have follow up questions, you can reach out to us at info And, If you're listening to this uh, podcast, definitely give us a a star or a like. And then if you're doing the YouTube, uh, give us the the, the little bell or subscribe (laughs) button that's on there. I can't remember which side. It's on this side or this side, but it's up there somewhere. But thank you very much and have a good one. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Enterprise Mobility Roundup podcast. If you enjoyed the discussion, please take a few moments to rate us. If you would like to listen to future episodes, please subscribe. To learn more about mobility topics or submit any questions, visit us at bluefletch.com.